This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Dr. Laura Markham. Dr. Markham is a trained clinical psychologist. She is also the founding editor of AhaParenting.com and the author of the book, Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, How to Stop Yelling and Start Connecting. Hi, Laura. Welcome to Family Confidential. Thank you, Annie. Glad to be here. I'm delighted that you've taken the time. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy, and I want to get right to it. Um, I want to talk about your book, Peaceful Parents, Happy Kids. And um, you talk about connecting a lot, how to stop yelling and start connecting. And um, I'm starting to think that our teens, particularly, who are so plugged into social media, may have a different definition of the word connecting than we as adults do. And I'm wondering if you can give our listeners and viewers a good definition of what you mean by connecting with your kids. So such a great question. And of course, it changes as your child gets older. So connecting with your toddler is snuggling up and chasing them around and giving them a bath and a bedtime straight. Connecting with your teen, of course, is very different. (laughs) So, right? And it's, it's a challenge for most parents to connect with teens. And we think we're connecting when we ask them questions. So we'll say, we'll ask them questions that put them on the spot and the teen feels intruded on like we're being invasive and we think we're connecting. Was there, right? was there drinking at that party? Exactly. <coughs> we're, we're connecting, right? <laughs> yes. So I think connecting is on the terms of your child. There's a way in which, I mean, I think that even with social media, Teens understand how to connect on a heart level with their parents or with their friends. They may be texting all day with their friends, but they, and that's a connection to them, but they know whether they really feel connected to their friend. So mm-hmm. there's, I don't think they're confused about whether they feel connected to us. I think the confusion is that they aren't sure how close they want to be sometimes because mm-hmm. as they are close to their parents, parents make all kinds of missteps that make the teen feel like they don't want to be close. I think that's really what happens. And I think those missteps come from fear. Oh, absolutely. And I've done it too. As you know, the parent of a teenager, we want to know if there was drinking in that party. And we also, we want to make sure our child makes the right decision about so many things that we end up, we have such a loaded agenda that we as our child opens up to us, as our teen opens up to us and is, shares something with us, we jump in with both feet to try to control our teen's decision or make sure she's thought mm-hmm. about this or that or did something terrible happen. And we completely blow the chance that she'll open up more. Yeah. And, and we've all been there. Yes, we have. And, and certainly if a teen is trying to create boundaries... Um, parents get frustrated, they get angry, and then we go back to the yelling because I'm even more scared now because you're evading my question. Um, I'm not going to do my best parenting, right? Always. Our worst parenting comes from fear. And so I suggest to parents that before you have any discussion with your child that is substantive, that you think of that, you bring some intentionality to it. You calm yourself down first. And you and how say do you to yourself, suggest, how do you nope. suggest we do that? How do we calm ourselves down? Well, so before you go into the discussion, if before. you know that your teen was out late last night and it's Sunday morning and they're about to, they're going to come downstairs soon, go sit down in a quiet place, 
breathe a little bit, feel the tension in your body, feel, let go of that tightness in your shoulders and your chest, breathe again, notice the waves of fear that will come off you as you become aware of it, and just breathe, you'll find yourself yawning or tearing up, because that's what we do when feelings come out of us, and you're just, as you become aware of it, you're actually offloading those feelings, and so... That will help. That's a start. And then you get some intentionality. You say, I want to be close to my daughter or I want to be close to my son. I want them to feel like they can talk to me about these things. So I am going to regulate my own emotions and really listen as they talk to me this morning. I love this because you're, the goal that you're setting, this intentionality you're talking about after you've calmed down, is so different. I want I want to feel closer to my son or daughter rather than I want to find out what's going on. Right. So right. different. I love well, it. One comes from love and one comes from fear. Yeah. And you know, parents are fearful. We all worry no. about our children because as teenagers, mm-hmm. they're they're really out there making decisions in a risky world and it it is hard for all of us, but I have seen over and over again that when we make decisions out of fear, we push them away, and then they make riskier decisions. Yeah. When I'll, we sh- I'll decisions- show them, you know, exactly. I can take care of myself, and exactly. they can't always. Yeah. Exactly. My son once said to me when he was in his early 20s, tw- he's now 24, mm-hmm. he just turned 24, and my daughter just turned 20. So I finished the teen years this Yay. year. <laughs> um, and my son said to me in his early 20s, you know, Mom, I could do what dad wants. And it was something about a choice in college of a course or something. I could do what dad wants, but I know what would happen. I'd be mad about it, and I would end up doing something later to prove I was independent, and it would be Mm. stupid. I thought, wow. What insight. What insight. And I said, sweetheart, I'm so grateful that you know that. And do you think you can tell your dad that? You you could, you know. (laughs) And he did. And I think that's what we want to avoid. We want to avoid our children having to react against us. Right. And if my husband had not been able to hear that and had just pushed my son to do it his way, then my son would have done something to react. Right. Yeah. 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 This is such great advice, Laura. And I'm thinking now the fear part, I know it comes with the job description because, you know, your number one job is to keep this little being that you've just been entrusted with um, safe. And and healthy, and there's a lot that goes into that, obviously, but um, it, it's clearly not helpful because part of the parenting job is also to be letting go year by year so the child can start to feel confident in the fact that they can handle certain challenges, even if it is the toddler who is just learning to walk and falls down and picks himself up. And starts walking again versus the toddler who falls down and is greeted by, oh my God, are you all right? And, and all kinds of, you know, flurry of, of fearful kind of, of um, padding around them. So um, parents need to be doing a lot of breathing, I'm thinking. Yes. Yes. I think that regulating our own emotions is the hardest part of parenting. And it's also maybe the most important because when we do, we can always make more intelligent decisions. When we're anxious and worried that there's an emergency, we, the learning centers of the brain and the thinking centers shut down. And so here we are um, trying very much to moderate our own emotions, especially the intense solar flare kind that are based in fear. 
and and we're trying to do our best to manage those so that our our kids receive the best of us in terms of our ability to connect. But I'm also thinking, Laura, that when we show our kids that we know how to modulate our intense emotions, we're teaching them something important about emotions. Wow, absolutely. Because we are the role model. They, when they see us, stop. As we start to lose it and we start to yell, and then we just stop. Like, give yourself a piercing, you know. Um, and as we do that, parents will say to me, but then I feel I've lost. I look stupid. And I say, no. Then you're showing them what it looks like to regulate your emotions and not say something you're sorry about later. Right. And if you do overstep that boundary, as we all make mistakes and, and speak in the heat of the moment, I always suggest to parents, you know, it's okay to apologize to your kid oh and say, you know, I really lost it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I think their respect for us increases when we apologize, when we acknowledge, when we take responsibility. I you know, mean, we all say we want our teen to be responsible. Yeah. That's the thing that parents frequently say. Mm-hmm. And parents are the role models for that. It's really well put. And and I'm thinking also that this idea of modeling, when you say, I'm really sorry I snapped at you, sweetheart. Um, I had other things on my mind or I was just really, really afraid because you, you were past your curfew and et cetera. Um, you're showing your kids that you are, in fact, a work in progress just like them and that you can take responsibility for missteps. Right, because no one's perfect. Your child is not perfect and your child knows that. And so if you were always perfect and never had to apologize, you wouldn't be role modeling for your child how to live imperfectly in an imperfect world as a human being and still be gracious about it. And that's what we're all trying to do. Well, I hope we're all trying to do that. Sometimes I wonder. Okay, so so let's talk about the role of social media because I, I'm, I know that Kids, teenagers, tweens, even even younger than 11 and 12 years old are spending increasing amount of time in a milieu that it's just filled with their peers. And, and that connection with parents, as we've been talking about, is so very important on lots of levels. But if the amount of time they're spending with peers, who are probably not always the best role models, <laughs> increases, then I think that makes it challenging for parents to find that time to connect when all they're seeing is that maybe the top of their kid's head as they're texting. Yeah. Yeah. And kids do lose interest in connecting with parents at this point. Mm-hmm. Kids start to really want to be connected to the peer group constantly and they're they're very busy mm-hmm. and they don't and parents are not only boring but parents remind <laughs> them. Parents are boring and parents <laughs> remind them of their sort of childish selves that they're trying to outgrow. They remind you that, you know, what a parent, every time a parent says to a child, oh, you know how you handle that? Do X, Y, Z, which, you know, is something that all of us are guilty of. The child thinks, oh, I'm not really a competent, capable individual. I couldn't have figured that out myself. My parent doesn't think I could. And actually, I probably wouldn't have thought of that anyway. And, you know, and the child feels less independent, less capable. So they have to push us away more. Oh, so wow. they don't love that we remind them simply by our presence and certainly by our words that they are really still very young people who are our children. But but there are ways, there are ways to connect. And so what I would suggest to parents is that they ritualize those things, that they find every week something they do for a longer period of time and then every day something they do for a shorter time with each child. So 
if you go in for 10 minutes before bedtime and just have some one-on-one time with your son or daughter every single evening, and then on Saturday or Sunday mornings, it's just, you know, time to go out to brunch with just the two of you. I think that's wonderful. And I, when parents ask me often, well, what about both parents, you know, and, and I say alternate, you know, we, we, you know, my husband and daughter had brunch together once a month, her whole growing up. And it was such an important part of her life that she knew she could count on that brunch with her dad. And most of the time they didn't talk about anything heavy, but they connected about just enjoying, they just enjoyed each other. And I think I would encourage parents don't feel like it has to be a heavy discussion every time. You can just enjoy your child. And right. if you do, if you delight in your teenager or your 12-year-old, they will feel it. They will feel like a worthwhile person whose parent delights in them. And, you know, that makes their self-esteem go up a little bit and their confidence. And also, they know you're there for them if they need you. And that's the thing you want your teenager to know. You know, all of what you're saying, I'm, I'm resonating with. I certainly remember our son and daughter at, at that time in their life really pushing back. And I, I do understand how important it is for them to maintain that um, connection with their peer group. But I'm wondering, um, as they're pushing back and parents are hearing this, they go, okay, I haven't been really good about that ritualized um, time. So I'm going to start now. And and maybe my kid is 14 now, and they're not so happy about this idea because, again, they feel like, did I do something wrong? Am I being punished? And parents are boring. Um, do I have to do this instead of what I really want to do, which is hang out with my friends online or off? So parents have to kind of like be strong about this in a way that it's it's something the kid will want to do. And this is kind of what I'm saying. Um, and to feel strong enough to say, even if they're just popping in at the end of the day, could you just put the phone down? I'd really, you know, I just want to spend some time with you. I like your I, company. I think that's exactly what mm-hmm. parents need to do. And it is only fair to give them a warning. If she's mm-hmm. on the phone with her bestie and or texting or, or Skyping her bestie at that moment who's crying on the phone, you obviously don't expect her to put it down. Or even mm-hmm. just talking to a friend. But you can say... You know, I feel like it's been a, we haven't had time to really connect lately. Um, how, how about when are you going to be done with your homework? You know, do you have time before you take your shower or whatever? You know, just ask when's a good time and just plop down and give them a foot massage. And, ah. you know, they're getting something out of it. No, I'm serious. Yeah, okay. I, find, I find especially with, well, girls too, but I think with boys where they don't want to talk to you, you know, they don't know what to talk about. You know, you, you have to talk about what they want to talk about, first of all, and you have to basically be listening. But if you're giving them a foot massage at the same time, and maybe nothing much gets said the first time, if they're reluctant to have you in their room and you say, let me just give you a foot massage and then I'll leave. And then you just hang out there and you give them a foot massage and you say one thing like, you know what? I love me. I love being with you even when we don't talk. And, you know, you just observe something. Or, you know, I saw how you were with your sister at dinner. And I saw you start to get frustrated with her. And then you didn't, you just, you just decided not to say anything mean. I was really proud of you. Find something nice to say. Yeah. You know, I often tell parents, catch your teen in the act of doing something right. (laughs) Right. I I think that goes a long way, especially when their self-esteem 
when they look in the mirror, may not be that high and their peers are often not all that supportive. So to have that connection with the parent, now now you're expanding the definition of of connection in my mind, hearing this conversation and the value of it is that it helps the child in on their journey. It absolutely helps the child on their journey. It also puts the joy back in parenting because it can be nerve wracking and scary and frustrating to parent a child of any age, but certainly a teenager. But when you have that connection, that's what makes the sweetness. That's what, that's the antidote. That's what makes it all worth it. So it's important for the parent, but you're totally right that really we're not just doing it for ourselves. We're doing it because it helps the child on their journey. And if we, so you're not saying what you saw him do with his sister as a way to manipulate him or something. You're, you're trying to actually give him a gift of seeing himself as someone who's learning to, you know, be kind and what, and you noticed it, you noticed him do that hard thing, right? And how important that was. And you know, when he gets a gift like that from you, when you go in tomorrow, when you knock on his door and come in, you know, in the evening tomorrow, he's not going to be so snarly. He's going to be a little happier to see you. That is brilliant. And it's so easy because I know a lot of the times when we say we're connecting with our teens, most of the time we're ragging on them and finding fault in everything they do. And gosh, I don't know about you, but I don't like to hang out with people who are finding fault with me. Exactly. This is a great antidote to that. It's going to increase the bond that you've got with your soon-to-be young adult child, but it's also fortifying them with the self-confidence and self-esteem they need to deal with the outside world as they move out of from under your roof. It's, it's really great. We only have a couple more minutes, Laura, and I, I would love for you to have, to have the opportunity to let our viewers and listeners know where they can learn more about your work. They can find me online at ahaparenting.com, like aha moments, A-H-A, uh-huh. okay. uh-huh. uh, parenting.com And there is a section on everything from pregnancy to teenagers. So in fact, there's tweens, young teens, and older teens. And they also uh, can follow my newsletters, which are free and are specifically designed to coach parents. So many newsletters are just a marketing tool. Mine are actually designed to give you blueprints for how to calm yourself down, how to connect with your child, and all the hard things that parents do. Wonderful. I so appreciate the opportunity. I've had to talk with you, and I know that our listeners and viewers are really going to take a lot away from this podcast. So thanks for your good work, Laura. Thank you, Annie. This was a pleasure. Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with parents of tweens and teens, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my parenting book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, Progressive Parenting for the 21st Century. And my new book for tween girls, the girls' Q&A book on friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And if you like this podcast, please review us on iTunes. It will be a little thing for you, but it'll mean an awful lot to us. Family Confidential Podcast is produced by Electric Egg Plant, creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. And tune in next time when my guest will be Kevin Kuzinski. Kevin is a high school counselor and the author of the new book, Behind the Counselor's Door, Teenagers' True Confessions, Trials, and Triumphs. Until next time, happy parenting. Thank you.